Hey everyone, great to have you again for the Inner Revolution podcast. And just want to start off, I mean, last week we ended with a great joke from Noah's Ark with the aardvarks. Why were the aardvarks so depressed on the ark? Is because they only had two ants. But um, a tool, I got a new joke. Pastor Jason, give it to me. Like, uh, if it's an ark joke, I'm walking out. Okay, well, it's a Noah's Ark. Oh, it's a Noah, oh, wow. Okay, so here it is. What? Where did Noah keep his bees? Wow. On the ark. Where did, he, where did he keep the bees? <laughs> Not the birds and the bees, but the... Oh, I'm boy. St- <laughs> I I'm still need to learn about birds and the bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, going back to the joke. <laughs> the joke. <laughs> he kept them in the ark. Archives. The archives. All right. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. If you're joining us, we're sorry <laughs> for these bad jokes. Uh, actually, Jason is going to do a whole segment on Barton Bees. <laughs> no. oh, I, I like these Noah's Ark jokes. They're kind of fun. All right. Anyway. Jason. Hey, it's hey, great how are to you? I'm doing okay. I just had a, uh, a great birthday party, and we're excited to open the Bible today with, with those are. that are listening. Yeah, you know what? We first, uh, you know, get their attention with a crazy joke like that. I, I had a bunch of feedbacks in the last couple of weeks. Like, people love listening to us because they think we're funny. And when we really talk and look at each other, dude, are we really funny? I mean, I don't know. Funny looking, maybe. Funny but. Looking. <laughs> I mean, uh, because okay. we, are, we really enjoy It's kind of fun to do uh, these podcasts, and it's raw. It's uh, like raw honey. <laughs> like the bees. <laughs> oh my, my wife God. and I were in the Amish market the other day. You know how many different types of honey there is? I have no idea. Tell me. There's like 25 different types of honeys. Did they all, did the Holy Spirit bring them all to the... Now Ar- they're in the archives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, all right. So, hey, we've got a great theme today. We do. Um, and it's, it's because uh, we've had some comments from some folks that have really stirred us up with, you know... Um, just what's the difference between the secular and the sacred? Let's say someone is working hard at their job. Maybe they're part of a career. Um, maybe they're raising a family. And maybe there's this thought, am I less than someone that's on the mission field? Or am I less than someone working in full-time ministry? And I like this thought because God really looks at the attitude of the heart. He looks at to whom we're doing what we're doing. And because uh, there's no difference between the secular and the sacred, it's really our attitude before God. So, do you want to? Uh, yeah, you want to start it off? Yeah, sure, Pastor Jason. No jokes, though. We had enough jokes. <laughs> Thank you for that joke. That's kind of really sweet. Sorry, sweet. It was very sweet. Very sweet. <laughs> but you know, you are right. Um, it's a, it's a topic that uh, churches don't want to touch anymore because either you people say, "Oh, go to Bible college." or just be involved in a ministry, or just do something else. And it doesn't work that way. I think God wants us to be wherever God calls us to be, and what he, whatever He calls us to do, make sure we glorify Him. And it's, it's, you're right, it is the attitude of our heart. And it could be a workplace, but as long as I'm glorifying God and putting... I love this verse from Exodus 34, 14. It says, God is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. He likes to be first. In our in our lives, and I I I get that. 
And I really understand that because I think if God is first in my life, it doesn't matter what I do as a vocation, but it's because it's unto the Lord, not mm-hmm. unto myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the key is I remember hearing um, years ago a message of where a pastor said back in the 30s when a lot of there was a great movement for Christianity and a lot of preachers would advocate people to go to Bible college or become missionaries or become pastors and be involved in their church. What happened, a lot of people did that in those days. So there was a huge gap in our in generations after that where people didn't, people didn't go become lawyers. People didn't become, there was no Christian lawyers. There was no Christian politicians. There was no Christian judges. There was no Christian doctors. There was no Christians uh, in any platform. So everything that we do, it's a platform that God gives us. Mm. We, we need Christians in secular places. We need Christians in a, be a doctors. We need Christians to be lawyers. How else are we going to navigate if there is no Christian judge? Uh, mm-hmm. In a Supreme Court, how would he think with God? We need that thinking on the highest court in the land. We need a surgeon to be a born again Christian as he plays uh, doing a surgery, but also he's asking God to give him wisdom to do surgery, and that's the most important thing. So we need godly men and women in workplaces mm. to be able to uh, evangelize, and it's important. Not everybody's called to be. A preacher. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. Not everybody's called to be a doctor. I, mean, I love this verse from Romans. Uh, to, uh, I, what is this? Eleven twenty-nine. It talks about gifts and callings. Mm-hmm. And I really believe God. I think we had this talk with one of our brothers in church about a year and a half ago. That he said, God calls us. We we have to know our call. God has given us one or two gifts, but do I know what those gifts are? If I'm called to be a pastor, and you put me in a in a pastoral care department and answering phone calls. That's not my gift. I will be really bad at it. But if I am, if I'm a receptionist and you, somebody wants me to go and teach a Bible in a Bible college, it's not going to work because mm-hmm. that's not my gifts. So I want to be where my gifts are. I want to be where my calling is really, really important. Got to know where my calling, but most importantly, got to know where God is in my life. Mm. It doesn't matter whether I'm a businessman. I love their Christian business. I love what uh, Chick-fil-A stands for. They don't open on Sundays. Eat they more have chicken? A, yeah, eat more chicken and they don't open on Sunday because they have a great conviction on like that's the day yes. of the Lord. We, we yes. close because we wanted you to go to church and worship. And that's what we need. We need men and women in secular places to have convictions from above and let the Holy Spirit show them what they need to do. I think that's what we see a lot of people in the good people in wrong places with wrong convictions and mm-hmm. wrong not utilizing their gifts and callings that God has given them. And I think it's very important as believers to know who I am in Christ and where my gifts are and 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 pursue those. Your thoughts? Yeah, sir? this is a huge thought. I mean, um, I know we've been doing some joking around recently, but just it's so good to be free in the spirit, you know, to, you know, I love this in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one to do all unto the glory of God. And when we look at our workplace as a mission field, I mean, we work hard. Uh, we put eight hours in for eight hours pay. You know, we're sensitive to the rules of our of our boss, of course, but we're also attentive to share the gospel by example, 
by our own free time, by different means. And to think of our these places as a mission field is huge because I mean, think of it this way. Uh, we compare, I think naturally we compare with ourselves, with others, First Corinthians 10, 13. And, you know, it's unwise because we think that other people are better or more effective or even more spiritual but by what they do. Even the most spiritual person doing something, if they do it with the wrong attitude, it means nothing. Without love, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2, uh, it, we can give our body to be burned, and if we do not have love, it means nothing. So when and I was thinking as you were talking about Ephesians 4.1, now what, what's, it, what if, what's Ephesians 4.1? It talks about walking worthy of your vocation where within you're called. Like we have an occupation, right? You're a courier. I work in a church. Maybe somebody makes donuts, uh, Maybe another person is, you know, works in a restaurant. That's their occupation. <clears throat> but their vocation is they're walking uh, in the Lord in a specific mission. <clears throat> so maybe you're saying, you know, what are my gifts and calls? Well, it's what you're passionate about. It's what you're sensitive to understand or um, it's what makes you come alive. Like I said this recently to a brother. I said, what makes you come alive? I said that's a good indicator of the direction for your, for your, for your gifts. And you know we know the cliche that says when you, when you do something that you love, you don't work a day in your life, right? It's the same principle here. Um, but what is my, my occupation must serve my vocation. You know, there's so many. I talked to a brother just yesterday. He left his job because it was consuming his life. He was losing his family, not able to come to church. He was making great money. But he was losing everything else that was valuable to him. And I said, I said, find a job that will serve your vocation, that gives you time to uh, grow and cultivate your walk of faith. Now, last thing I'll say, uh, there's a confusion, I think, with the will of God and the call of God. The will of God, we, th- we see through Scripture, First Thessalonians 5 in particular, the will of God is what I do to know God. What is it that helps me to know God? I come to church, maybe I'm in my Bible, I'm in the fellowship, I'm exercising faith, I, I'm, I'm getting to know God. Um, but the call of God is the expression that comes out of that relationship. So now I'm not just doing to please God, but instead we're accepted by God and doing because we're from a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. So I think will of God is to know God. The call of God is to express that relationship in evangelism or um, serving. You know, how many people have you met that are that are just in the background, but they're doing what they're doing to the glory of God? They're raising a family. They're praying for their co-workers. Um, and it's very sacred to be a pastor or a missionary, isn't it? It really is. It's it really sacred. Is. And uh, there's a greater responsibility before God for that. But there's no greater, um, there's, it's not greater to wash dishes uh, to the glory of God or to preach the gospel to the glory of God. I mean, in our mind, it's like, oh, I definitely want to preach the gospel. But God is saying, I'm looking at your heart. I'm not looking at your ability. That is so true because that is a misconception that people have. If it's a housewife who's taking care of her family and is faithful to what she's called to do, it's the same reward as a preacher who's preaching in the pulpit. Because there's no difference because they are all obedient to their call. 
I love it. Yeah, I remember when I first came to our, our church 25 years ago, there used to be a man here who used to take care of this property, property named Gary. Oh, I don't know if you remember sure, Gary. Sure. Like, I remember pastor many times in a staff meeting will tell us, like, you know, watch that guy, Gary. He doesn't say much, but he's faithfully comes to work, walks from Frankfurt to here every morning, takes care of the property, never complains, but he does it because that was his call. And he did it to the fullness of Christ. He did it with all the joy. And, and he was stirred up. It's like, what's the difference in 2 Timothy 1.6 when Paul said to Timothy, stir up your gift, mm. right? Stir up your gift, whatever that may gift be. Stir it up, guys. Let's do it what, what, is what we are called to do, not out of the, uh, something different. So I always think about that. And, you know, he always brought that up like, hey, you could be somebody who's cleaning the toilets, are teaching in a Bible college, but you're doing it unto the Lord, not unto yourself. So whatever we do, we wow. do it in the obedience to the Lord. Holiness and righteousness brings forth obedience. Listen to this. That is so good. First Peter 4.10, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another. So first of all, it tells us that the gift is not for my own edification only. It's for others. As a good steward of the manifold grace of God, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it uh, as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. So this is, this is like, okay, Lord, are you glorified by um, me working eight or ten hours a day? And the answer is yes. If my attitude is before God, there's no difference between the secular and the sacred if my attitude is to glorify God. And I just want to say, you know, you mentioned Gary. I knew him well. And that guy was simple in the right sense. He had simple faith and he was faithful, which is a gift. And he was living for the audience of one. He just said, I'm, I'm here to glorify God. He had a very simple life, but he edified many people. And I think we complicate this because... What makes us come alive? Well, I don't know about you. There are certain things that, uh, you know, that can, can cause us to digress and really be discouraged. And then there are things that make us radical, like our recent trip to Texas. I love these. these uh, and we had an amazing weekend in Frederick, by the way. If you're listening from Frederick, we, we want to know you. Um, but it, these adventures, they, they cause us to come alive. They cause us to dream. They cause us to imagine. Like that's, that's one of the tragedies of pornography is that it steals our imagination. It steals and divides our thinking where God is saying a faith dream, a, a heart vision. These are things that are the infrastructure of faith. And, uh, but if you were to talk to the business person today, Atul, what would you tell them today? You know, if I were just because I've been in those shoes and I wish somebody would have told my father and I, like, hey, what about putting God first? What about thinking with God before you take an adventure in a business world? Because if you don't have a right frame of mind, you could be you could be a great successful businessman, but it does, it's vanity. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's like filthy rags. You may achieve all the world, but lose your soul in the process of it. Is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth like you could have it all, 
I mean, people, we see them now, especially in these days that we're seeing, we're seeing people who are running after money, people who are running after power, people who are running after fame, people who are running after things, clothing, materialistic things, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I want it too. I want a nice car, nice home, and a beautiful wife and all that stuff. We all want that. But is that my frame of reference? Is that where God is? Is that what God is steering me? If God is not in it, I could have all those things. But what does it mean to me at the end of the day? It doesn't mean anything. So the point of the matter is that we want things. Yes, it's nothing wrong if God gives me ability to have things. But is it glorifying God in the things? Like the, the verse says, that it's not that money is evil. It's the love, the root of the, the love of the money is evil. It's like we... That becomes my idol. All these things becomes idol in our life. Mm. And God says, I'm a jealous God. I want to be first in your life. I don't want those things. When Solomon met all these women that came and started marrying all these women, what did they do? They brought all these idols. And he was the wisest man in the world, but he couldn't see anything because idol took over. Yeah. And that's what mm. happens in our lives. The idols takes over and what happened? It's no different being in a third world country. Worship idols. My car becomes my idol. My job becomes my idol. But God is not in it. Mm. So God is saying, you know, I want you to have those things. I created these things for you. You don't have to live like the Amish or like just, okay, we just, we don't do any. We don't use it. You know, we, God has given all these things to us, right? But am I... <laughs> Am I glorifying God? <laughs> I just got this visual of you. You in a little carriage and <laughs> with my head shaved oh, with no mustache and maybe I look like a little black hat, a little black hat, but the bonnet. I mean, can you well, imagine you wear that? A bonnet, but the hat would look okay. That was a distraction. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because I I could yeah, live simply. I mean, true. they're great people. Don't get me wrong, but God has given all these things to us, but. Their only fear is that that could become their idol. That's why they don't uh, want those things. Yeah. And and I in a sense they are right mm. because in our culture everything becomes an idol. In the Western culture, things are idols. It reminds and, me what you're saying about I was in an elevator at the Madison Square Garden um, with these huge ball players and um, and I got talking to one of them. They were on their way to chapel. Pastor John Love, our, one of our pastors here, he he is part of the, uh, he's the Knicks uh, chaplain. But we were talking, he says, you know what? I thought I would be satisfied when I reached the top of my game, making the top money. He says, but you know what? I was more empty after I got all my toys and all my stuff. He says, and it was not until I found Christ and I began to live for Christ that I that I was satisfied and fulfilled in it. And I would just say, whatever you're doing today, our identity in Christ is more important than our ability. So maybe you're saying, I don't even know my gifts. I, I remember asking that in a class one time uh, with 70 students, and very few knew more than one gift that they had. And it's it's you can really find out or understand your gifts by what makes you come alive? What is it that you're aware of? Are you acutely aware of things that others are not? And then thirdly, uh, you have the ability to implement, uh, like for instance, let's say a waitress is bringing some waters to a table and she spills the waters. And the people at the table, the way they respond typically is the way that uh, you know, they identify their gifts. Maybe someone is trying to console the waitress. 
Maybe someone's trying to clean up the water. Maybe another person's trying to replace the the uh, cups or maybe someone's instructing them how not to do that again like there's so many different gifts from first corinthians 12 and then first corinthians 14 but what what is in between first corinthians 12 and 14 what is it it's love it's love it's first corinthians 13 because without love the spirit in which i do things if i do it with just a a, a, a an angry or just a, a dutiful spirit it is it's meaningless i have to have love in what i do uh amen yeah love is a common factor in everything that we want to achieve god um we're not saying don't pursue your passions everybody's passionate about something you're passionate about indian food you're, just, <laughs> you're pursuing that a lot <laughs> Yeah, I am. I'm gonna. That's one of my callings. <laughs> <laughs> food, food, food. No, no. but seriously, no, what, yeah. like I know you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I know your passion is you love telling people about Jesus. Like I believe evangelism is part, is one of your gifts. You have uh, like, like it's good to ask myself this question. Like, what am I passionate about? What makes me come alive? Because you know, there's a lot of dead people walking around. You know, they said that the person that lives, First Timothy talks about when a person lives for pleasure, they're dead as they still live. You know, what makes you come alive? And that's, I'm asking that to our listeners today. This is a good meditation. What makes you come alive? And if, it, if what you're doing doesn't make you come alive, then you want to redirect yourself to the, it, it may take time and a series of decisions, but what is it that makes you thrive, Right. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's a very valid question. I, I remember asking myself, you know, we could be safe for 30, 40 years and really never come to the point where we are, like, passionate about God. You know, it takes sometimes long. I mean, it took me, I mean, say for 25 years, it took me 20, just past three years to really understand my passion, which is God first, like getting to know God and uh going out evangelism but more than that my passion i realized that god has given me a very a heart that to love people mm-hmm. i never th- thought i mean i always wonder god why am i like i know as a guy i'm like i'm sensitive but nobody sees that i know i'm sensitive because i can easily watch something you know be around and get emotional but and I, I didn't realize it till uh just three years ago and god really put in my heart to just come and join you and i realized more and more i'm working with people more and more, I like I can I I can relate with people, and I could just God give me the love towards people. Mm. Like God, give me a passion towards prayer. God, give me a passion towards understanding where people are at and circumstances in our lives have caused us to get to know God in a deeper way. And now comes a deep walk. Now comes a deep walk with trials and tribulation where God brings you to a place. He makes you lay down completely. You're right, completely broken before God like the mosaic. You're shattered everywhere. And God is peeling off one layer at a time. Mm-hmm. One layer at a time. He said, you know what? I want to show you what, you're, what, you, what I want you to do. And that's where the identity yes. for myself goes into Christ. And my identity is in Christ. And I realized, like, God there's something more greater for me to do. And it's not for everybody else. I can only speak for myself. But some people are, you know, God calls them to support the missions. So they have to be, we need businessmen to support missionaries and churches. We need these things. So So it's like the 
the body. It's the fullness of the body, right? Yeah. We all work together. The arm, legs, heart, mouth, le everything is joint and put together. So we all need each other in order to function as a believer. There you go. There's not one greater than the other. There's not greater than the other. I mean, think about it. Matthew says this, that the person that receives the prophet will also receive the prophet's reward. Uh, let me show you something interesting here, and we're going to close. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> no more jokes. Uh, I'm back there a little bit with the Amish, you and the Amish hat and everything, but I'll, I'll, I'll ignore that. Okay, First, first Corinthians 7, this is very interesting. First Corinthians 7, 20 through 24. Uh, and, and, and don't, I just would say this before I read, read this, don't compare yourself with other people because God is looking for faithfulness. God is looking for uh, simple trust, simple faith. And again, when we stand before God, God's not going to say, oh, you're amazing because you did that. You're amazing because you did that. Uh, we do that because we're natural people. God's going to say, my good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Because you honored me in the little things, I will make you rulers over great things. But here in 1 Corinthians 7.20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he has been called. So abiding, this is important. Are you being a servant? Care not for it. But if you mayest be made free, use that rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, be ye not the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he has been called then abide with God. So wow. this is huge. So housewife, businessman, faithful dad, raising a family, uh, going to job, preaching, evangelizing, doing visitation, whatever it is, God is saying, I've called you there to know me. That's number one, to glorify me, number two, and number three, to demonstrate my life, not just words on paper, but the life of the gospel. So, so, so I, I just think what makes you come alive, what makes you, uh, what, if you're in a place of challenge today, that means you're in an, you have a growth opportunity. If you're not challenged, if you're going through the motions, if you're on autopilot, uh, if you're just kind of making a buck and living in, in comfort, uh, nothing wrong with that, but you could be missing out on so much more that God has prepared for you. Closing remarks? Yeah, just uh, to our listener, if you're listening to this, just think about this. Don't strive after anything. Don't be saying, oh, I don't know what my calling is or my gifts are. Just pursue God. There you go. Pursue God. Be passionate about God. I mean, Paul was passionate about God. And you look in the Philippians 3, 9 through 15, and he pursued it. You know, he pursued it till God took him home. And that's what we want in our lives. We want to pursue. And God will show us. Mm. Wherever you are in your life, whether you're a businessman, lawyer, teacher, or an architect, or just simply a, a, a member in particular in the church. Teachers are Our amazing. Teachers are amazing. They affect generations, don't you think? Absolutely. They're, teachers, yeah. they're, they're, they're not paid a lot. Doctors have more of an emphasis, but... Really, teachers affect generations. That's, a, that's an amazing that call. That is an amazing call. So don't second-guess your call, but do everything unto the Lord. 
Don't let things become your God, but let God be your God because He is, again, a jealous God. He wants to be first in everything that you do in life. It doesn't matter whether you're sweeping the floor or you're in a pulpit preaching a message because it's all glorifying God. Mm. I love what you said, knowing God and being obedient and being faithful, glorifying Him. It's what matters at the end of the day. He's not, yeah. when we stand before God at the Bema seat, He's not going to say, well, God, did you not see I built highways? I built this massive, I was so smart, I bought this tech. I mean, He's not interested. He will say, did you know my son, Jesus Christ? There you go. Did you have a relationship with my son? And it's all God wants. The only purpose of creation for man was so God would have intimacy with us. He wants that relationship. And you could do all those things as long as the relationship is first. Amen. You know, maybe the last thought. Uh, the call of God, someone told me this, and I liked it, very simple, is to enjoy God. Isn't that good? So the will of God is to know him and demonstrate that knowledge and that relationship into action, which may be serving in my community or maybe sweeping floors or maybe um, just being the least and making someone great. God is saying, enjoy me in it. That'll keep you continuing. There's so many uh, that are moving away from uh, the call of God. Um, maybe you feel inadequate, and that's good because we are our sufficiencies in Christ. But there are so many that, churches that are closed, leaders that are maybe not returning, or there's a great fallout. How is it that we can continue? We enjoy God in the little things. And like Mother Teresa said, I love this, we do little things with great love and they have eternal impact. Amen. You know, that it's is amazing. Isn't that it? is true. So, wherever you are today, Wherever you are working, where which home you are in, or which church you are, enjoy God first. Amen. It's all about God first. Yeah. And, you know, lastly, um, you know, you mentioned the Bema Seat. I'm looking forward to September. We're going to do an end times uh, series, uh, a yes. couple, couple casts in September. Be looking for that. We're going to talk about the Bema Seat and end times and... Where is God and all that's going on around us and how to navigate as a Christian? And uh, we look forward to sharing some thoughts with you there. Yeah, I think it'd be a great cast, Pastor Jason, because I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, are really awakened to understand what's happening in our world, that maybe time is near. So people are searching more and more. I heard just the other day, more and more people are typing in end days in Google. Yeah. Trying to figure out what's going on. To do a cast, like, come out segment by segment, what's the events that's going to take place. Mm. And in details, explaining. So people not wondering, what is an amillennium? What is a premillennium? What is a postmillennium? Yeah. These questions mm. have people, people have no answers. Because nobody wants to talk about eschatologies anymore. Churches want to touch it. Well, I just think we, when you look at the book of Revelations, it's an amazing book, a mysterious book, a militant book, a marvelous book, just a mysterious book. Uh, and God's like saying, listen, uh, seek me with your whole heart and you will find me. Well, hey, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us today. And we are just excited to hear from you, uh, by the way. Drop us a line, text, smoke signal, uh, throw something at us. Uh, we want to hear from you. Yep. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.